Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. This episode of the Steadfast and Law podcast is brought to you by our good friends at the United States Concealed Carry Association. Click Learn More below right now to activate your United States Concealed Carry Association membership. The United States Concealed Carry Association helps responsibly armed Americans like you prepare for the before, during, and after of a self-defense incident. USCCA members get life-saving education, expert training, plus self-defense liability insurance. Plus, it's risk-free with their money-back bulletproof guarantee. Click Learn More right now to explore membership. Don't wait until it's too late. Click Learn More now. And as always, the United States Concealed Care Association is not an insurance company, a policy has been issued to the USCCA by Universal Fire and Casualty Insurance Company. That policy provides the association and its members with self-defense liability insurance subject to its terms, conditions, limitations, and exclusions. Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Steadfast and Law podcast. And as promised, I'm joined by someone that is just remarkable in the way that they can concisely pull together these thoughts and issues of what we're facing in our current culture and make it so easy to comprehend. And that's Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock is an American sports columnist and podcaster. He hosts a program for the conservative media company Blaze Media titled Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Whitlock is a former columnist at the Kansas City Star, AOL Sports, FoxSports.com, and ESPN. The Scripps Howard Foundation awarded Whitlock its National Journalism Award for commentary in 2008. Whitlock was the first sports writer to win the award and a $10,000 prize. Additionally, Jason was a radio personality with, for WHB and KCSP sports stations in the Kansas City area. Whitlock played Division I college football at Ball State as an offensive lineman. Thank you so much, Jason, for joining us here at the Steph Aston Law <coughs> Podcast. Alan, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Well, I got to tell you, you know, following you, of course, on, on the sports side of the house and now this incredible transition that you made, still, you know, being able to con have great commentary on the sports side, but now you're able to articulate a lot of conservative perspectives when it comes to these cultural issues that we're facing when was that road to Damascus moment, when that epiphany happened for you? I think road to Damascus is the proper term because, Alan, I don't tend to think of my uh, thoughts as conservative. I just think of them as biblical. I try to stay true to a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. 
I, I think that's the proper course. Uh, I've never been extensively involved in, in politics. I've been an observer, a critic of culture and of politics, but I really, I, I really didn't want a political identity. I, I want a biblical identity. And yeah. so what happened is that over the course of the last 10 years, uh, God and my life put me in certain situations and positions where I could just see crystal clear, like, wow, we got a spiritual battle going mm-hmm. on. And we, the, the reason I didn't know it at the time, but I could, in retrospect, I could see like the reason I'm experiencing so much headwind and pushback is because of my biblical worldview. I wasn't leaning into a biblical identity, but my worldview was based on the things that I was taught growing up in the church, things I was taught growing up an athlete, playing football. And I was like, why am I getting so much resistance in corporate media? And as I started having the epiphany of like, oh my God, even though I'm over here in the sports lane, Mm -hmm. my thoughts are more biblically sound and for lack of a better description, more conservative. And once I understood that, and it was like the, the... the blinders came off and and I could just see like, oh man, we're in a battle of good versus evil. There's a yeah. side that wants to eliminate biblical truth and the truth just in general. And and so once I figured that out, I was like, oh, I got to hop in this battle. And I, in order for me to really express my full perspective, I have to pivot away from the sports world so much where I can engage fully in this conversation about what's going on in American culture. And so that, that's been a 10-year process. It really came to a head in 2013, 2014. I had taken a job back at ESPN, and ESPN was owned by Disney and still is owned by Disney at that time. And I faced such an incredible amount of resistance to me returning to ESPN for a second stint and running an organization. I was like, where is this coming from? Yeah. And when I looked, it's the LGBTQ crowd. It's the far left crowd that just was not going to have someone with my worldview in a prominent position at ESPN. And, and I realized then, like, without God and without really leaning into my Christian identity, I'm not going to survive. And so go back to Fox Sports and start doing a show there. And then as the whole cultural Marxism came into the sports world with Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. when he came in in such a big way, it just became even more clear to me, like, man, Fox Sports ain't really comfortable with my worldview. And, and because the whole sports world started going woke and started going Marxist, and I wanted to stand up very loudly and say, hey, this is evil. This is hostile to religion and faith and Jesus Christ. And, and they let me say that to some degree, but they weren't really comfortable yeah. uh, with my full explanation. And I needed to be somewhere where I could just, if I wanted to say Jesus Christ, I could just say Jesus Christ and no one's going to bat an eye. And so that's how I got over to the blaze and doing my own thing and doing the show fearless. 
You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, in my 22 years in the military, I remember having a Bible on my desk, even as a commanding officer. But now when you look at what is happening, our military is is like we're pushing God out. And, of course, bringing that cultural Marxism in there. If you're a certain skin color, you're an oppressor. If you're a different skin color, you're oppressed. Now we've got the Secretary of Defense sending letters out to the force saying that biological males can use the same uh, shower facilities and bathroom facilities with females. You know, I think that's why you're, when you bring up your thoughts, they're so lucid and they're clear because you do see it with that biblical perspective. You do understand, as it says in Isaiah 520, that woe be to those who call good evil and evil good. You, you're clear in understanding. You, you're not buying into this moral relativism. I mean, truth is truth. And Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And so what is so perplexing to me is that the people that say that they're for tolerance and they want tolerance end up being the most intolerant people whatsoever. It's like they don't want to have a differing perspective. They don't want to have the open debate. It's either you shut up and do as we say or be gone. And it seems you've experienced that. Definitely experienced it and definitely came to an understanding that tolerance isn't always a good thing. And and they certainly understand that. That's why they won't tolerate our biblical beliefs. And I'm at a point where I'm not going to tolerate in my space, in my work environment, their intolerance to God. And so the beauty of America, what had been the beauty of America is like, hey, look, if you don't like your work environment, you can start your own. Mm-hmm. And, and you can set the work culture and environment that fits you. I saw this with my dad as a young boy. He, he was a factory worker, worked at Chrysler. And a supervisor questioned him about reading the autobiography of Malcolm X on his lunch breaks. And my dad was like, man, I don't want to be in somewhere where People are questioning what book I read. And so he started his own business, first a barbershop and then a bar, a tavern in the inner city. And he found his happiness there. He built a work environment that worked for him. That's what America affords you. Took me later in life to figure out like, wow, as, as tolerant as I thought corporate America was of my views, they're not. And so now I'm at a place, Alan, where my work environment, I think there's, in, you know, let's say we're in a 3,500, maybe, no, nah, that's probably 4,500 square foot facility. And there's about six Bibles in here. Mm. And <laughs> we talk about God yeah. every day in the workplace, you know, just in random conversation. Not, not even, and we certainly talk about him on the show but just in casual conversation, no one looks at you crazy. If you say something about Jesus or you reference scripture, it's all accepted. And so that's what I've always loved about America is that you can create your own environment, your own, instead of asking the government to build you a safe space, build your own. And (laughs) so that's what we've done here. This is a safe space for Christians, and believers come work, make a good living, put out some content that you're 
uh, you can take pride in, that you can take satisfaction in. Uh, you don't have to surrender to the corporate forces that want to remove God and want to install Marxism if you have a pair, if you're willing to step out and take a leap of faith and really stand with God, you can build your own thing. Do you think the body of Christ is seeing a resurgence and understanding that they've got to make a stand or else they'll get, you know, steamrolled? I often say that if tolerance becomes a one-way street, it leads to cultural suicide. I kind of see that happening in America uh, and especially in our urban centers where we've seen the decimation of the you know, traditional nuclear family and a lot of those you know, moral foundations. Listen, Alan, they have built a corporate media space and an academic media space and just a, a cultural space where, as black people, we're not allowed to talk about our legitimate real issues. Everybody knows what the real issue is with us. It's the breakdown of family, mm -hmm. period, end of story. That all the other, oh, oh, if we just had more gun safety, if we just spent more money on this, nah, there's one thing. Marriage, natural family, nuclear family, covenant between man, woman, child, and God. If we went to that, all of these problems would dissipate. All these problems would start to recede and go away. Our kids would be more successful academically, socially. They would be less likely to be incarcerated. The, the, everything. And, and there's studies that prove all this. Yeah. It, it boggles my mind every day that every conversation as it relates to uh, black people in America doesn't come back to family. And, and if you look at American society as a whole, and why we're collapsing as a superpower and why we're becoming a laughingstock. It's not just a black problem anymore. It's America's family collapse is collapsing the country. And, and it can't be, you can't, well, you know, uh, Asians or white people are still getting married and sustaining marriages at a high rate. But we've actually changed the concept and roles within a marriage that even there, there are couples that are still together that still aren't doing right by their kids. Yeah. Everybody's chasing a dollar. No one is like, hey, let's have less dollars and let's instill more character and integrity and development in our kids. We've gone away from that type of society and we've gone to a society that everybody's just out in pursuit of as much money and a fancier cars and a second home and all of that. And our kids and society are suffering. And that's the conversation we should be having. What can we do to restore the American family and proper roles within that family? No, you're absolutely correct. Because uh, I remember, you know, I was born and raised, grew up there in Atlanta, Georgia. And back in the day, you had to take those trips down to see the old folks down in South Georgia. Uh, we didn't have, you know, iPads, iPhones. We didn't have a little video screen on the back of the of the chairs. We talked, and our parents talked to us, and we developed our thinking, and they talked to us about, you know, morals and doing right and character, like you said. Uh, but now we are just turning our kids over to the culture, turning our kids over to the entertainers, turning our kids over to the teachers that 
maybe don't share those same principles and values. So I'd like to talk to you about a piece that you wrote, speaking of children, uh, on the 7th of April. It, it is entitled The Tennessee Three and the Memphis Three Used Children to Elevate Themselves and Destroy the American Paradise. And Tennessee is near and dear to my heart because I went to the University of Tennessee, but I was just enthralled with this, this, uh, this piece you wrote. And I've forgotten about the, uh, the West Memphis killings back in 1996. So can you tell us about this article? Because I do believe we've got to do a better job of protecting our children. Well, <clears throat> I compared, I made the analogy that, and, and I'm just sorry, it's what I believe. I, I, and they can call me a conspiracy theorist. They can call me whatever they want. But the left seems... Uh, very interested in damaging kids, either through this transgender movement mm -hmm. and the sexual mutilation of kids to uh, caping up for, and, and I talked about the West Memphis, this is West Memphis, Arkansas. Yeah. There was this uh, high profile murder case, I believe in the 90s, where three young mm -hmm. boys were killed by three young men who uh, the prosecution alleged were involved with satanic worship yeah and the left got hbo the media started ginning up this oh these guys were wrongfully convicted the criminal justice system treated them unfairly and framed them and they put out three separate documentaries trying to exonerate these three young men i fell for it initially and watched all three documentaries and then i noticed i was like every time they put out a new one they're accusing someone new of committing the crime. I'm like, how can they do this? HBO, they're paying, they're accusing all these. And then I started doing my own research, read a bunch of books, and I was like, no, these three guys actually did it. They were rightfully convic convicted. Mm -hmm. And and it just highlights to me like the, the the mutilation, destruction of kids is always a tool for the left to argue for the destruction of America. And so I'm looking at this new Tennessee three and and they want to take away our gun rights. They want to take away the most important thing that ensures American freedom. And and they're using these three young children and three adults that were uh, assassinated at the Covenant School, Christian school here, and they've turned it into an anti-gun thing. And, and they'll use kids to make their point. And, and it's like all the school shootings, they're tragic events. I get it. But if you want to solve them and you want to see less of them, let's take some of the money we're spending on Ukraine and let's provide real security at these schools. We can afford to do that. Yeah. Uh, when Joe Biden uh, goes out in public, he's got armed security with him. When I mentioned uh, Greg Popovich, the, the coach of the San Antonio Spurs, I wrote a different piece about how he's, he's on these anti-gun rants. And I'm like, well, hold on, man. When, when an NBA coach enters an NBA arena, there's like 50, 60 armed people yeah. inside that arena protecting them. Greg Popovich walks around with armed security. But we can't give it to kids? The, the adults, the grown people? 
they're worthy of armed security and protection, there's no mass shootings at NBA games because there's so much security. There's security outside, policing traffic. There's security inside, all of it armed. And so we're providing adults more protection than we are kids, and I don't think it's by accident. This is common sense that that Second Amendment protects our freedom and protects us if we utilize it properly. If, if, if we want to just allow all the criminals to have the weapons, uh, sure, we're all going to be a lot less safe. And yes, you can compare us to other countries that have stricter gun policies and all this, but they also have far less freedom than we do. I'm sorry, Alan, I'm not going to allow the government to come in and say, you know what, there's this medical experimental vaccine we need you to take. And if they didn't fear me having a gun in my home, they would burst into my home and stick me with that jab and tell me there was nothing they could do about it. I don't want to live in a country because I know and and these mass shooters are, are terrible, but nothing compares to a government that doesn't fear its citizens in terms of mass destruction. History is littered with this stuff, Alan, and and anybody with a brain knows it. The people in corporate media, they know it, but they're just lying to the public. And so, I've said a mouthful there, but I mean, you were in the middle, you you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, I absolutely do. And you know, but it's amazing to me because when you talk about the children at, at Covenant Academy and their, th- their names, nine years of age, Evelyn Dykehouse, William Kenny, and Haley Scruggs, two little girls and one little boy. The vice president of the United States of America did not go down to Nashville, Tennessee, to speak on their behalf and how horrible that was and what we could do, as you just said, to harden our schools. Because, you know, you go to a Super Bowl. I mean, a Super Bowl has like an Army division of, of security. But she goes down to Nashville to, to speak for Justin uh, Pearson, Jones. Justin Jones, and, and uh, Miss uh, Gloria Johnson. You know, so the priority, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I think that you're absolutely right in that for whatever reason, the left, and I've said this in a monologue, they don't like children. I mean, I, I can't look at it any other way that Children get in the way of their ideological agenda, just the same as we don't hear people talking about the black children that get murdered every single weekend in Chicago, Detroit, any of these major urban population centers. No Black Lives Matter showing up there. So I would really recommend people to to go back and pull down your article. Let me make one more point on that. Mm -hmm. Let me make one more point in terms of the left and their beliefs on children. And, and I'm just, this is where my biblical worldview just really comes into focus. And you can see the wickedness of the left as it relates to abortion, man. Yeah. I mean, w- when, when Roe v. Wade got overturned, these people were having convulsions out in the streets yeah. and like, oh my God, we can't kill babies in the womb anymore. If, if, if that is central to your political ideology and worldview, the right to kill babies on demand in the womb all the way up through birth. Yes. Because that's, and they're literally talking about in California killing babies after birth. After birth, infanticide. After birth. If that's central, you're in partnership with the devil. There's no other way 
to, to look at it. If, if that is central to your happiness and freedom, the killing, they think we're crazy because we're sitting there saying, no, nah, this gun and this Second Amendment, that's central to my freedom. Mm-hmm. Their freedom is attached to being able to kill babies in the womb. And I'm the crazy one? I don't think so. Well, and again, from a biblical uh, perspective, remember that one of the gods of the Baals was Moloch, and Moloch was the god of child sacrifice. And the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel when they fell down and sacrificed their children to Moloch. One other article I want to talk with you about, because this is hot right now out there. We just saw not a single Democrat vote to support the uh, protecting women's sports and you know, I remember Pat Summit there at the University of Tennessee. But on the 21st of April, you wrote, men do not owe women an apology or reparations. And I got to tell you, you know, we just had the women's final four here in Dallas, and it was jam-packed. And as a matter of fact, I really enjoyed the women's uh, championship game more than I did UConn playing San Diego State. Why is it that the left wants to destroy the thing that, you know, the feminist movement fought so hard to have, but yet they still come out. You, you showed the T-shirt of the general manager of the Detroit Lions. It, it seems like a hypocrisy that, that is within them when it comes to this issue. Certainly there's a hypocrisy, but when you start to understand that uh, God is a representation, the protector of, the deliverer of truth. And so the other side is against truth. And so they're, they're destroying fundamental truth, that there's a difference between man and woman. This is established in Genesis, but they want to reject that. And so men and women are the same, and they, they, men and women now is a feeling, not a biological fact. And, and again, if you look at the Satanist, the Aleister Crowley, his, his whole philosophy was do what thou wilt. And it was about discovering yourself and discovering your truth. And so there is no biblical truth. There's just your feelings. And so it's just doing whatever makes you feel good. As a believer, I, I believe that my nature is wicked and and. You know, Jesus Christ died on a cross for my wicked nature and that only by submitting to God can my wickedness be combated. Uh, They believe that they are their own gods and that any lustful desire, any desire they have must be satiated and fulfilled and it trumps any truth. And so if a man with a stick and balls feels like he's a woman, that's that's the truth in their mind. It, it's just a wicked nature. And the thing I wrote about the Detroit Lions uh, general manager is is he's wearing a shirt, support, wi- support women and girls in sports. And, and there is no lack of support for women's sports. There's a lack of interest. And uh, in some degree, but I, I agree with you. I thought the women's college basketball tournament, particularly the final four was better than the men's this year. And it may be that way moving forward because the women stay there longer. They build brands, yes. you get interested in them as personalities. 
the, the men just spend four months in college and then go off to the NBA. One and it's done. It's not as interesting. Yeah. But, but there is no lack of support. The America, through Title IX since 1972, has been bending over backwards to develop female athletes at the collegiate level and every other level, high school level, junior high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, people just aren't as interested in it because it hasn't been as good. Uh, but, but to see them start to allow men compete against women in sports just speaks again. If, if there is no standard of truth and fairness that we can all agree on, the, the country's just going to continue this division and separation uh, because we've moved away from, and this is whether people like it or not, we had a biblical founding. That, that Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, despite slavery, and I know that, but those documents were laced with biblical principles mm-hmm. and, and principles that made the elimination of slavery inevitable. Uh, but they want to uproot that Constitution and write their own where their God, where our, our, our rights aren't God-given, they're man-given. Mm-hmm. And only an idiot would want their rights determined by man. Man's nature is wicked. Man's history, and particularly when given too much power, it, it's just littered with the annihilation of people, and 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 that's why our biblical founding, our biblical founding, our biblical Judeo-Christian culture, it works for non-believers too. Yeah, that, that that's the thing that I think like someone. I don't know if you've been following like Bill Maher. Yes, as he starts speaking some truth. He's starting to figure out like. Yeah, I'm anti-religious, but you know that, that religious culture actually allowed me to say and do what I wanted to do within a fair realm and and standards and 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 he's starting to figure out that this leftist stuff, like wow, it it, it will silence you, it will censor you, it will cancel you, it will remove you from polite society. It, it, it's it's far worse than the Christian culture we did have. And so, you know, I, I don't, he'll never, his brand is too attached to being anti-religious for him to fully admit. But I look at everything he says, and I was like, oh, he's starting to get it. That, yeah. you know, th- this Christian culture actually worked for him as well. Well, I think it's uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and 17, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I think more people are starting to get that. And then also Psalm 11 to 3 says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what shall the righteous do? And I want to tell you, thank you for what you're doing, because you're talking about these foundations and how we repair them. So where can people follow you and how can people tune in into your podcast, Fearless with uh, Jason Whitlock? Well, uh, my Fearless podcast is on Apple and everywhere uh, uh, podcasts are played. Uh, so please uh, subscribe to the app or sub- subscribe to the program over Apple. Uh, you can find the show also at blazetv.com. Get us, I suggest everyone get a subscription of Blaze. If you want to watch for free, youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. That's every night at 6 p.m. on YouTube. Generally shows an hour, hour and a half. Uh, and so, and you can find me on Twitter at 
uh, Whitlock Jason at Whitlock Jason. You can find me on Instagram. I think it's real Jason Whitlock. Uh, Alan, I, I appreciate you making the time and, and uh, promoting my show. We'll have to get you on my show so I can do the same for you. Well, I'd be honored to do it. And, and the great honor is that you're the reason why four generations of my family have worn a uniform and fought in combat to protect and preserve your liberties and freedoms and so that you would stand on truth and the biblical truth that I was raised upon as well with my mother and father, uh, a dad who was a World War II veteran. So Jason Whitlock, God bless you and thank you for what you do. Thank you, Alan. God All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Special thanks to Jason Whitlock for joining us and sharing some incredible thoughts, perspectives, and insights on his two articles that he has written for TheBlaze.com. And follow him there at TheBlaze.com, as he just said, and sign up and check out his podcast as well. You won't be disappointed. But... If you like this podcast, please click that like button and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.